Welcome to the 2SER Book Club, where every week we open up a new book and help you discover something to read, no matter what your taste. Here's Andrew and Tess. Andrew, thanks so much for uh, joining us this morning. Hey, morning, Tess. How are you? I'm well. How are you doing? I'm good. It's good to uh, good to be getting into the groove with this book club thing. Yeah, no, I'm I'm very much enjoying it. So today, uh, look, I've brought an absolutely beautiful Australian story for you, Tess. Oh, I love Australian stuff. Oh, look, this is actually like. I'll tell you now, this is going to be a theme. I oh. love Australian writing, and so I'm going to bring you a lot of it. You know, every now and then we'll pretend there's another world out there, but <laughs> mostly Aussie. And, look, and I, like, I mean, this, is, this story is beautiful, uh, not just for its tale of a young girl growing into adulthood, but also for its stunning cover of Wildflowers, which, look, if you've been into a bookstore any time recently, you would have noticed this book. Um, this is The Lost Flowers of Alice Hart, and it's the debut from Brisbane author Holly Ringland. Okay. So, we meet Alice as a child. She lives with a family in a seaside village where the family have carved out a seeming idyllic existence that's kind of deceptively hard to place historically. Alice loves her mother, but he, he, she's also perplexed by her father's moods, and together they potter in the garden, and it's not until Alice sort of runs away to the town and goes to the local library that we get a true sense of the family's isolation. Now, following a tragic fire, Alice has to leave the town and travel inland to live with her heretofore unknown grandmother, June. June's farm, Thornfield, is a home for women with nowhere else to go. And Alice soon falls into the rhythms of nurturing the exotic native flowers that the women are famed for. And under June's tutelage and care, Alice slowly recovers from her trauma and comes to know the legacy of the flowers in their secret language. But June is also harbouring a secret that she'll do anything to keep, lest she loses her granddaughter's love. Now, I, I guess, look, Tess, I should probably start off by saying that this synopsis is only brushing the surface of the narrative of The Lost Flowers of Alice Hart. As the book progresses, we actually travel with Alice from her early childhood into her adult life. And look, there's this particularly poignant moment where Alice reflects on her life in the book and realises that she's actually reached the age that her mother was at her death. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Alice is this painstakingly realised character. From her early forays barefoot and pyjama into the town library, and she develops this love of books, which I think any author is in safe territory <laughs> writing about a character who loves books. Most, Probably. Most readers are going to be down with that. Um <laughs> Uh, and as we travel with with her to her adulthood, exploring the secret language of flowers, we feel intimately connected. And look, I felt very close to Alice's private world. In fact, if I have a criticism of this book, it's that our intimacy with Alice can actually make the people she surrounds herself feel thin at times. There are there are definitely moments where I wished for a little bit more depth and detail and maybe more story about the supporting cast. But ultimately, this is Alice's story. Now, Holly Ringland concerns herself with many ideas in The Lost Flowers of Alice Hart, but central is the trauma of domestic abuse and the intergenerational trauma that has the potential to spread its poison throughout families. Alice suffers at an early age, and I actually think this is something that Holly does really well, is connect us with Alice's youth and her experience of something that she can't quite understand and how that plays out well into an age where... She knows what's going on, but is still helpless because of what has happened to her as, uh, in her younger life. Um, amidst the flowers of June's farm, and, and flowers comes to mean 
two different things. They specialize in these exotic flowers that they're famous for around the country. And also the women that come to live on Thornfield are known as the flowers. They sort of, they come there uh, to to recover, to heal and to blossom. So they become known as the flowers. And Alice really takes to them uh, as sort of a community that and family that she doesn't have. Um, but as she as she blooms amongst the flowers, she learns that she's not alone in the trauma she's experienced. Even there, though, she's not safe from the possibility that someone will will hurt her, possibly remove her choice, her agency, and do it in the name of of helping, which is something that I I, I think is too often people try to hide behind when they they are abusers. So domestic abuse in all its forms, be, be it physical psychological or even financial wreaks a terrible toll in our community. I don't think we can, you know, I don't think that's saying anything surprising or new. We often hear that what we need is cultural change. You know, the idea is you can put all the laws in place, but when this is happening in the privacy of people's homes, we need to change the culture that informs that, particularly for men. Uh, That can also feel like a really amorphous term when culture is both so ingrained, but it's not something you can put your hand on and touch. The explorations of abuse and its impacts in The Lost Flowers of Alice Hart are an important contribution to a culture that says no to abuse. And I guess it allows readers to understand for themselves how they might fit into the cycle of harm and healing. Uh, I've been really vague with the story, and you might be thinking you you know, well, okay, there will be a man at the centre of this abuse. You would be correct. But then we also see in little ways how other characters, either through their direct actions or their indirect or withholding of actions, uh, are complicit in the trauma that Alice experiences. Guilty bystander situation. Yeah. Another highlight of this book is the way Holly weaves a magical language into the flowers that blossom throughout the novel. Each chapter begins with a flower and a description of its sort of botanical properties, but also its its meaning within this language. Um, from an early age, Alice learns that the flowers speak a language for those who are in the know. Her mother was versed in this language, and Alice learns it from her grandmother, June. This language of the flowers, I think, becomes a really important voice through Alice's early trauma and remains a touchstone in the various turns in her life. Beneath the magic of the flower language, I guess, is this really important message about our ability, or or often inability, to verbalise many traumatic and painful events. In a world that can so often seem to emphasise this idea of, you know, you're going to talk things through, it becomes important to have this other means of expression available when words fail. Um... So, the, the Lost Flowers of Alice Hart is, it's a beautiful story. I think you can definitely just travel with Alice for the story, but it also has a lot to say, and I think will leave the reader ruminating on where a story like this fits in their life. Because I think, unfortunately, the way statistics show us, we will, we will know someone, whether we realise it or not, who has gone through suffering that has been very personal and very close to home. And this story has, has thoughts and ideas to, I guess, help us begin to understand that. And it does seem like such an important conversation to have. I guess you know we're living in a in a post Me Too world. It's very very much a, a topical situation, as horrible as it is. Yeah, and I I mean I guess I'm thinking now of all the times when I've I've spoken with authors and we've discussed the themes of their book, and they have have told me that they didn't actually set out to write a themed book to to really make a commentary on the world as it is today, but inevitably works of art comment on the world that they are in. And that's what I loved about this. It provoked these thoughts 
for me and I'm I'm a male living in this world and I am, whether I like it or not, a part of the culture of masculinity. We often talk about toxic masculinity that really needs to examine itself and be willing to talk. Too often men who think of themselves as good men say, well, I wouldn't do that and ignore the fact that they might have a mate or they might have an association or even just laugh at the wrong sort of joke that ingrains the culture, the toxic culture that we're talking about. It's not a complete antidote, but reading a book like this that causes you to think is a good starting place. You're dead right, and it does sound like a stunning book. You've been listening to the 2SER Book Club. We record on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation at 2SER's Broadway Studios in Sydney, Australia. The show is produced and presented by Tess Connery and Andrew Popel. And a big shout-out to Michaela Savage for graphic design and artwork. If you're enjoying the book club, why not subscribe and get new episodes delivered straight to your phone every week? If you want more books, you can tune in to Final Draft or subscribe to Final Draft Great Conversations Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. To keep up with everything happening at the station and discover more stories, ideas and music, follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Just look for at 2SER.